Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Let's get it started in here. And the bass keeps running, running, and running. Five Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Roz, here at the opening line on the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? If so, it's time to get started. Let's go. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. What's up? What's up, everybody? This is the opening line. We are back and better than ever here. Uh, Wits, how are we doing on this gorgeous Wednesday evening? Doing pretty good. Just came back from dinner, had a nice little drink, a little Knob Creek. And I'm um, going going to Florida tomorrow, so I'm pretty pumped. Do some push-ups before bed tonight. Get the arms a little little bigger than they appear. Right. This is like a premature summer body you got to get going. Because we're in May. So to be fair, your full summer body shouldn't be ready yet. But you do want to be looking good. Where are you going in Florida? I am going to Clearwater Beach. So I think I've been hitting it hard the last week in the gym, putting on an extra sweatshirt, pair of sweatpants. Trying to sweat out all the extra calories I ate over the past four months, and uh, things are going pretty well. Pretty svelte, 180 right now, down from 192. Uh, I think the viewers need to know that I can see you on Skype. Your uh, your arms, not a lot of definition there. I mean, there isn't one in the in the dictionary, so we're gonna have to work on that. Yeah, a couple curls will be all good before we hit the beach. I don't even work out in my biceps; still have definition. Easy. You don't even know what definition is. You never lifted a weight in your life. I have a mother as an English teacher. I have to know what definitions are. But uh, I'm a little disappointed you're not going to Juniper, Florida. I think that would be a great place for you. I think you'd be able to work on your golf game. And most of our recent major major winners come from Juniper. And that leads us right into Brooks Kepka with the runaway victory. I understand we're going to cover round four, which Dustin Johnson gave us a little bit of an excitement there. It's almost like we took the powder up the nose like him on that last day. Interesting PGA because for me, it was exciting to see Kepka get his fourth and eight try. But based on the show we did last week, we all picked Brooks. So did 17 other people in our pool. So none of us won on the show. I guess ultimately, if you picked in your own pool or your own gambling, you won based on our picks. But uh, I was a little disappointed uh, overall with the tournament. I didn't get to watch a whole lot of it. The siblings were in L.A. this past weekend. What were your takeaways, the initial takeaways you had of the PGA Championship? Yeah, I mean, I thought the PGA was kind of a snoozer. I mean, Brooks Kepka got out to such a big lead on day one and really carried that into the final day. Um, it did get a little exciting there. You know, holes, I want to say 13 through 16, he had DJ really charging back, and he was within one shot, had a chance, missed a couple big putts, um, and then just completely fell apart. I know he was one under for the day, but it did get a little testy there near the end. Um, but overall, 
there was a big lack of excitement just because Brooks Kepka was so far ahead of the field. And it was even more disappointing, like you said, Roz, that we all had Kepka in our lineups, but so did 70% of the other people in our golf pool, which is kind of hard to believe that in the third major of the year that all these people had Brooks Kepka left over. Um, but, you know, if you were a guy like me who took Kepka, you were happy. But then, you know, I had Xander Schauffele, who uh, shot plus six on the final day. Actually ended up below Rory McIlroy, which was extremely disappointing because Schauffele was in the top ten for a while there. Um, so for a guy who had Kepka, Rory, and Schauffele, I thought I'd be sitting okay. But I ended up finishing, you know, in the low 30s in a field of 100. So it was very disappointing. But, like I said, congrats to Brooks fourth major in eight tries i mean this guy is is an absolute animal um and as bad as he played that last day you know he put it together near the end when he needed to uh was four over for the round but you know he fought off everybody especially his playing partner harold varner who shot and shot an ugly 81 that was an ugly 81 Um, right and i think that was harold varner's first real time under the bright lights and you know he didn't really live up to the expectation, but you know he played a pretty darn good tournament to be in the final pairing on Sunday. Uh, there's something to be said for that. But Brooks Kepka, you know, besides a few holes there, this was a runaway tournament, and congratulations to him. But this was definitely not as exciting as the Masters with Tiger and that fantastic Sunday that he had. I'm uh, I'm about to go off on two groups of people. I don't know if that's possible usually, but I think uh, I'm going to nail this one. So there's all the talk. We get it, Kepka basically shooting 50% at majors in his last eight goes of it. There are the people who want to compare him to Tiger right now, and then there are the people who are getting on us about those who compare him to Tiger. Just look at Jordan Spieth and Roy McIlroy and how they've fallen off since they've gotten those comparisons. I want both of them to be snipped, all right? I'm not going to say he's the next Tiger Woods, but he's definitely no Spieth and no McElroy. This guy has absolutely come to play tournament in and tournament out. He's even finishing second at the Masters. He's been in the top 10 pretty much at every single one of these major events. And he's playing good golf outside of that as well. I don't think he's Tiger yet. I think that's super early. I mean, it's just like you're not going to call Tiger Jack Nicklaus yet. I mean, he's going to have to beat that guy. Uh, so the same goes for Brooks. I mean, obviously, if he shows up and wins the next six in a row, I think that starts the conversation, who's better, Brooks or Tiger. But we're not there yet. But he's definitely no slouch. He's definitely in a tier of his own. And I need him to get the recognition he deserves. And I hope you agree with me, Wits. I don't need him to be in that class with Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson, Roy McIlroy. Even my boy Ricky is not in that class yet. He is absolutely Ricky separating hasn't himself. He won a major yet, so I don't think you can even you can't even think about him in the class yet. I, I don't like that we said that. Uh, we're very Team Ricky here, so we're not going to acknowledge that he didn't win a major yet. He's there. He's on his way. He'll get it. Um, but no, I think Brooks is in his own class right now. Arguably the best golfer currently, without a doubt. Um, the Tiger Woods win obviously was great and historic and everything, but I don't think his career is going to continue to go upwards. I think he's at a point where he's going to poke at a couple major titles here and there, but I don't. I think that Masters was fool's gold if you think he's back-back, like he's going to win multiple majors. Um, but again, that's what I'm saying. I think Brooks should be considered the best golfer around right now, and he's teetering on like a Tiger, Jack, Nicholas level. We just need to see a little bit more. Definitely not going to be spiraling like Jordan Spieth. 
Yeah, I mean, I've got a, a pretty big beef. You know, you're still hanging on to that the Tiger's not back. You're trying to go back I, in your. No, no, no. I don't know about that. I mean, the guy just the guy just won the Masters. He proved you know? me wrong, hundred percent. But he what do you mean he's back? He's definitely a guy who. What do you mean he's back? He he just won the Masters a few weeks ago. I mean, okay. how can you not say that he's back? Well, what do you but, consider back for Tiger Woods? What's your logic? First, first it was that he was playing. Then he was playing well. He's still not back. Then he wins a major. He's not back. What, what does he need to do to be back? Does he need to rattle off, you know, four out of six majors? Yeah, it's your definition of what's back for Tiger Woods. Like Tiger Woods was at such a standard. This is not baloney. Tell me, tell me that people when they say Tiger Woods are back, they think he's gonna rattle off those major victories year in and year out. I mean, I don't think he wins a major in the next two years now. Honestly. I mean, just the fact that you're saying he's not back. I mean, first of all, the guy is over 40 years old. Okay. Let's not pretend like he's in his 20s still winning 10 majors. I would say he's competitive again. I think that's the word people should use. <laughs> you would? You'd give it to him after he won the Masters? Yeah. And say that he's competitive 100%. Okay. How do you do this I'm week, Wes? I'm glad that you gave that to him. I How do you do this week? He missed the cut. Yeah. What do I just say? Okay. But Old Tiger doesn't miss the cut. Old Tiger's in the finish every single time. That's... That's where I equate him to being back, being back to old Tiger, which we may never get again. I totally gave him his props on winning the Masters. I totally believe he's back to a competitive golfer, and I want people to challenge me. When people think that Tiger's back, they want him to be back like he was in 09 or back in the oh, early I, don't, I think you're the only one who says that. Dude, no. the, guy is 40, the guy is 43 years old. No. When you say He's Phil Mickelson. Like I, you're, you're like the guy who LeBron's going to tire when he's 50, and you, he's going to come back. You say he's not back until he's, you know, the MVP five years in a row. You're talking about a guy I back up harder than anybody, even over some of my Packers. I know, and I think you're you're completely wrong in your Tiger analysis here. But let's not make this golf weekend about Tiger because it's really not about Tiger. It's about Brooks Kepka and the Hideki uh, train that fell off the tracks. Yeah, well, everybody that we had fell off the tracks. Adam Scott. I, I think you look at Brooks, and I think you bring up an interesting point with, you know, we had Rory McIlroy, who we thought, you know, this this could be the next, like, top-tier golfer that we see in the past five years. I think it's, it's been pretty lackluster for him. And then Jordan Spieth looked like that next guy. Um, and he had a pretty good showing this weekend at the PGA. But, you know, he hasn't really shown, he hasn't really gotten back to that upper echelon of golf yet where I think you know he were he's a guy who can compete every major now we have Brooks Kepka, who's won four out of his last eight starts in majors um but I think it's funny when you compare him to Tiger I mean Tiger Woods won 10 majors between the ages of 20 and 30 which is absolutely insane because Brooks Kepka, as well as he's played you know he's 29 years old he's about to turn 30 and if he wins the next two he could win six but that just kind of shows you how on top of the game Tiger Woods was, you know, when he was a very young guy. But I think some people forget that Brooks Kepka was on the challenge tour for a little bit. So this is a guy who, you know, kind of was a slow starter in terms of all these young guys who were, you know, up at 20, 21 years old. So I think you, you got to give a guy like that a lot of credit. Um, you know, with his early days as a pro, he wasn't even on the PGA Tour. So I think, you know, the mental aspect of the game is something that Brooks Kepka is you know head and shoulders above everybody else right now because he's just you know he's gone through a lot and he's shown that he can win from behind he can win when he's playing ahead and he's really done a, he's done a lot of great things in these majors um so i thought you know this past sunday was just another another notch in his belt that 
you know, here's a guy who almost faltered, almost gave it away, but he didn't quite do it. And he, you know, sits holding the PGA for two years in a row. So I think he's a, I think he's a pretty special player and a guy that could be around for the next 10 years. If he wins another, say, six to 10 majors, I think you got to put him in, you know, probably the top five golfers of all time. If he continues this sort of run, you know, throughout the next decade. I completely agree. And I think the age thing isn't something we should consider. It's impressive, the 20 to 30 range where he won 10. Um, But it's a new age of athlete. I mean, look at Tom Brady. He's 42 years old and still winning Super Bowls. I think Kepka's now in his prime, and he's going to continue to rattle off wins or at least top 10 finishes. So it'll be exciting. I I like the guy a lot. I mean, if you listen to him, I'm part of my take. He is one of the chillest human beings I've ever heard speak. So I'm all for Kepka continuing to be a success story. Let's talk a little bit about DJ and that push. So what what is it going to take for one of these, I guess, next-tier guys, as I label them, to win a major? When is DJ going to be back on top of the mountain? What about Spieth, who really just looks so mentally out of it? It doesn't look like it's coming into anytime soon. And when is our boy Ricky going to get his first win, Wits? What will it take? Do I need to go out there, pull some freaking Happy Gilmore stuff, run over the leader in a van? Like, what do I need to do get Ricky Fowler his first major I don't know I mean Ricky's career is slowly spiraling into Sergio Garcia's career which is a place that you didn't want to be being known as the best golfer ever to not win a major and Sergio was finally able to get the monkey off his back a couple years ago at the U.S. Open but you know Ricky it's it's sad because he's he's such a great golfer and he can definitely tell if he's got the talent and he's got the game to win a major he just hasn't done it yet and the further we keep going in his career is he just going to be this guy who's kind of the Phil Mickelson of the U.S. Open you know second place always close to getting the title but not quite inching through because um, Ricky's a guy for me you know when you win one major. I've got to think, I'm not, I'm not a good golfer, I'm not a professional golfer, but I've got to think that that first one, playing through all the nerves, especially on a Sunday in a close matchup, has got to be probably the toughest of them all. Because once you've been there, you can kind of harness what it feels like to be there again. So the fact that Ricky hasn't done it yet, but it's been so close, you know, I still have hope. I think he's a great golfer and he's got the talent. But this feels a lot like what it felt like cheering for Sergio all these years before he finally was able to pull it off. So I don't I don't know what it's going to take for Ricky. I think you're just going to need to kick it into another gear. Um, but I, I do hope he wins one within the next few years because he's such a great player. And I think such a great ambassador for the game. I think he's a guy that, you know, a lot of young guys like, you know, yourself and myself look up to. He's such a great guy. So it's tough to see him go out there every major and be competitive, but not really get over the hump. So I'm hoping that it happens soon. All right, here we go. Before we before we leave golf, I've got a good one for you, Wits. Who out of these players, and it hurts me that I have to leave Ricky Fowler off this list, who out of these of these player group is going to be the next major champion? Is it going to be Dustin, Rory, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas? Well, I'll even throw Tiger Woods in there for you since you were you were so on my ass about that earlier. Um. Because they've all won majors, and you just said it. it's important to like have that feeling, knowing what that's like to win. So all those guys have won. They just haven't been consistent and haven't won in a minute. Yeah, I think out of Minus all Tiger. those guys right now, I think DJ is the one who's going to win the next major for me. I mean, I think if you look at his game, um, 
when he's on top of his game, I don't know if there's anybody in the world that can beat him. You know, whether or not, you know, he's playing consistent, putting well, doing all the things that you need to do to win a major championship. You know, that's, you know, that's something that, you know, is left to be said right now with DJ. But he did play, I think, pretty well overall in the PGA. You know, finished six under for the weekend and played, for the most part, some pretty damn good golf on Sunday besides that three-hole stretch when he had a chance to take over the lead from Brooks Kepka. Um, but I think DJ, you know, having won a couple majors already, I think his game when he's on top is probably the best in golf. I mean, obviously, I think Brooks Kepka is the best golfer in the world right now. I don't think there's really much of an argument there. But, you know, looking at guys like Spieth, I don't know if he's quite gotten back to where he was a few years ago. I know he played well, finished tied for third in the PGA. Uh, Justin Thomas is... I think kind of had a tough year so far, but there's another guy who, you know, last year was, um, you know, kind of the best story in golf, winning a couple majors. But right now for me, it's got to be Dustin Johnson. I think he's the closest to just kind of exploding and having a major like Brooks Kepka had in this PGA and just, you know, pretty much soundly beating the field, um, you know, if not for a few holes by multiple shots. So I, I think DJ would be my guy here. Uh, I I agree. I think he's played the best so far this season. I mean, Rory won the players. Outside of that, just hasn't really been competing in the majors. Justin Thomas has been hurt. That's why he missed the PGA this past weekend. So it'll be dependent on his health moving forward. And Spieth, like we, we've ragged on with Rube last week and how we kind of talked about him so far this week, really just mentally not there. Uh, you saw glimpses this past weekend. And then also, like everybody else, he just kind of fell off. Justin Rose, another interesting name. He just hasn't been around very much this year. Not a great season for him, but he's a major champion and uh, a guy that we're used to seeing compete down the stretch. But that's golf talk until the U.S. Open, which will bring Rue back on to uh, help us out. That's a little bit under a month away. Um, but we're nearing the NBA championship. We've already got one team that has punched their ticket to the NBA finals. Let's give a quick shout out, Wits. I want to see how much you know. So the St. Louis Blues are going to play the Boston Bruins in the NHL Stanley Cup. What do you think? Um, I think that's the most I've heard about the NHL in the past few months. So uh, like you said, we're not we're not big hockey guys on the podcast here, but we might be able to give you a couple – a couple game bets here as we get into the Stanley Cup because that's always I th- I think one of the more exciting you know championship rounds in sports uh, the Stanley Cup it's historic um, I just nev- I've never been a hockey guy I don't think I'm gonna start being one now but you know congratulations to those two teams yeah uh, that was talking hockey for me I know Boston is on a rampage if you think about it had the Celtics made to the finals and went on to win the finals. The Red Sox won in the fall. The Patriots just won in February. The Bruins have a chance to win now. The Celtics, the only Boston franchise they have that didn't make it to the finals this year. How about that? Yeah, it's uh, being a being a Boston sports fan. If you think about it, the past twenty years is, I mean, there's really nothing better. I mean, it's almost like you're playing a video game. You just always are winning. Like, whoever's got the controller is in Boston right now, and they are just dominating the sports universe. Right. And you think about all these cities who can't get a, can't even sniff a championship from any of the four teams or three teams or whatever, whatever's around. Um, so it's, it's, it's been a good, good 20 years to be a Boston sports fan here. 
Yeah, I mean, the people in Boston, uh, the jury's still out on them. I had a roommate from Boston, you know. They definitely love to speak their mind sometime in uh, some hasty fashion. But uh, let's get into the NBA's finals, or at least the NBA where it stands right now. 2-2 series. Toronto just winning another one. Drake really getting in to Giannis last night. I uh, went 6 of 10 from the free throw line, airballing one of those free throws. Drake's having a good old time, and I mean, I know his rap beef wouldn't stand up with many of the best rappers in the game, but he's definitely giving it to Giannis, and I don't think Giannis has much of a response right now. Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting series. You know, we started off 2-0 for the Bucks, and it looked like it was going to be kind of a cakewalk here, but I think you got to give so much credit here to Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard. I mean, Kawhi Leonard playing on pure guts right now. I mean, the guy the guy is clearly hurt. Um, looks like he's playing almost on one leg, but they have won the past two games. And now at, at a 2-2 series, I mean, that was a huge game four win. Um, you know, and, and Kawhi Leonard, you know, he went up for a dunk in the third quarter of the game four win, and he just came down. Looks like his right leg wasn't even mobile. But, you know, this guy is a trooper, and I think – He's trying to shed that best two-way player title in the league for just straight up the best player. And I think he, he's doing a damn good job right now because in the playoffs, averaging 31 points a game, eight and a half rebounds. I mean, he, he's been awesome for the Raptors. So I think this is this is going to be a tight series, but I'm still going to stick with the Milwaukee Bucks. I think, I think they still are the best team in the East, but the Raptors have, have made this a hell of a series so far, and it's been fun to watch. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the Bucks as well. I think Giannis is going to get out of this funk. He's just the best player overall. And if Kawhi is hurt and it's going to linger the rest of the way, I think it's just like that horse you got to put down. Um, but I'm going to go with the Bucks to move forward. I've been betting with people. For some reason, the idea that Kevin Durant is not going to be ready for the NBA Finals has people thinking the Bucks have a legit shot at beating the Warriors. I mean, Steph Curry, 29-1 without KD. I think that speaks volumes. It's just, uh, it's interesting because they ran through the Trailblazers, looked like an easy series for them. I know they were taken to overtime in that game four, but it's time for this team to dissemble. I think me and you are both on board with that. Uh, it was too easy, heartbreaking in a sense, because I love Dame Lillard and I was hoping that uh, they were going to have a little bit of a fight and maybe take a couple of games here or there. But what do you see, since both of us are on the Bucks, and unless something crazy happens, I think it's going to be Bucks warriors in the finals. What do you see as the key thing the Bucks will need to bring to this matchup in order to maybe take a couple games or force the concern of the Golden State Warriors deep into the series? I mean, I think the one thing, and you've seen it with Durant out right now, is stopping Steph Curry. I mean, if you listen to the if you listen to the podcast last week, you know Wits told you that this was going to be a five game series, and he was off by a game. But the Warriors completely dismantled the Portland Trailblazers in this series without Kevin Durant, without even a sniff of Kevin Durant. And I give so much credit to Steph Curry because he showed us. You know, if you think back a few years ago, people forget how good of a player he is because when we when Kevin Durant came to the Warriors, you know he was seen as you know, besides him and LeBron, maybe the best player in the NBA. I mean, a seven a seven footer who can shoot and play defense the way he does, it's really hard to notice anybody else. But looking at the Warriors, are now five and zero in the playoffs with Durant on the shelf. Six and zero if you want to count Durant going out at the end of Game Five against the Rockets. 
The Warriors, l- listen to these stats, 31-1 and in their last 32 games in which Steph Curry plays and Durant doesn't. And since Durant arrived in 2016, they are 34-4 and in those games when Curry plays and Durant doesn't. I mean, Steph Curry, if you forgot about him, now you finally remember that this guy might be be the most. I think he's a top five player in the league. Oh, it's, it's certainly a top five player, but just the value that he brings to the team. You know, averaging 36.5 points per game in that series versus Portland, 48% shooting, 42% from beyond the arc. I mean, he scored 33 in every game that Durant has sat so far, um, and he's back to being the primary playmaker. And it seems, you know, it's funny, Rod. It seems like the bench for the Warriors is actually playing better now in this series, that Durant is not in the mix anymore. You know, Clay Thompson back to shooting the ball like his old self. A lot more players are being involved in the rhythm. And I, you know, I feel like that's part of Durant being out. Um, he's kind of like a big safety net. I mean, he came to the Warriors, the best team in the NBA, and they continued to be the best team. But now we're seeing, even with him out, they still might be the best team anyways. And I think that's such a credit you know, to Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. Because some people forget, you know, how good this team was before Durant even came there. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, when and if Durant comes back during the NBA Finals. Because I I think the Warriors are still the heavy favorites right now to take home another title. Yeah, I mean, they spread the ball better with Durant off the court. And I'm not saying that Durant's a liability. He's a pure scorer, so you kind of like seeing the ball go through him and you're a little bit more confident. But they were able to spread it more. Obviously, they're somewhat of a cheat code themselves. The ability to shoot the three that the Warriors have is mind-blowing. And like you said, they've won championships without Kevin Durant. So I don't think those three guys are concerned on whether or not Kevin Durant's coming back or going. Kevin Durant, so in his head talking about it today he goes on i have zero percent knowledge on what's going to happen in free agency it's like chill kevin nobody really cares you're like you're going to do what you got to do but here's a pressing question because we're both on the warriors i believe all the way through unless i'm wrong feel free to interject do you think barring the whole kevin durant Kyrie to new york do you think Giannis can take over the eastern conference much like lebron james did before him and be a finals, literally a finals team every single year moving forward? Man, that's a tough question. I'm, I'm going to go with no. Okay. I do, not. do you just think the competition's getting better? I, yeah, I think that's the main thing. It has nothing really to do with Giannis, but I think the competition is getting better and is better in the East right now. I mean, looking at the top four teams, that Celtics team this year was, it was disappointing. I mean, let's let's call a spade a spade. They were bad, um, and I think people had a lot higher hopes. But I'm not counting them out by any means. You know, in the next five years or so, they're not going to be able to put together a team that's going to compete. You look at the Raptors. Um, you know, with Kawhi there, and I don't know where he's going to end up. You know, this a could lot be of a thought that he's going to come west. He wants to come home. Clippers or Lakers. Um, but then also looking at the 76ers, I think the competition is going to be is going to be too good for Giannis to have a LeBron-like run. But think about it. Has anybody ever really had that type of run? I mean, I know the Celtics back when Bill Russell, they won 9 out of 11 championships. But a guy in this day and age getting this eight straight NBA finals like LeBron did in the East, I just I don't really see it. I think the Bucks have a very good team, but 
you know, a couple of years from now, we could be on the other side and Giannis could kind of be on an island and not have all LeBron these was on an island. I, I know he was. Can I but... just can I just put some stuff into your head? I, I don't. I'm not trying to change your no. The 76ers, to me, can act much like the Indiana Pacers or even the Chicago Bulls to LeBron. I mean, LeBron, there were teams in the way. Absolutely. And LeBron's LeBron, and he was on an island. He had all these things. Giannis, let's talk about this. Kawhi Leonard most likely going back to the Western Conference. It just looks that way. Boston Celtics, young talent. I love Jason Tatum. You know that. I've said this on the show over and over again. But there will be no more Kyrie and Al Horford's getting a little bit older. So you're going to have to bank again on the young guys. So maybe Terry Rozier or Jalen Brown does step up. But again, kind of reminiscent of those Indiana Pacer teams that were up against LeBron. The Sixers, to me, are the best team there. And then you've got a lot of young talent in the NBA that can be like the Paul Georges of the East or the Dwight Howards of the East that were like a one-man show. And that, to me, that's like Trey Young and Atlanta Hawks or even right now Aaron Gordon and the Orlando Magic. I don't see enough firepower. I think you need to fathom how good Giannis is. And if he gets any bit more of a shot, I think it's it's game over. I think he could be doing the same thing LeBron James did, and he has no plans on leaving Milwaukee. He's not really one of those guys. He's kind of like a Dame Lillard. He's going to stay put. So I'm on the yes train right now, but that is kind of barring the Kevin Durant-Kyrie union in New York. And if Kawhi Leonard stays in the East, I mean, that does throw maybe a little bit of a wrench. I mean, the Raptors will have to help him out for sure. It can't really just be Drake on the sideline. But that's my take. I don't know if I influenced any any opinion change in you. Um, I mean, I think you bring up a good point. But, you know, we're talking about the LeBron stretch of eight years. And this is the first year the Bucks have been really good and look like they might, you know, could make it to the NBA Finals here. But for eight years in a row, that is a, that is a really long stretch of time in professional sports. And there's a lot of things that can happen. Um, so, you know, while I see your point where you, Kawhi could go west. The Celtics could, you know, kind of go into a rebuild. Um, I think they're still going to be good, but they might not be as good as people thought they were going to be this year. The 76ers, the process could be over, you know, before it really even started. But I, eight years is such a long time, and I just totally I just, understand. Yeah, I just I just think that's it's kind of a, it's an unbelievable stretch. And as much as I've ragged on LeBron on this show and and the show we used to do. Um, I mean, that, that is a crazy stretch for one man to take over, you know, basically half the league for that long. I just, it's just, it's not very doable. And it never really has been done to that extent, except for that, you know, that Celtics team way back when. So I just, I just don't see it happening because it's, it's such an, such an anomaly for one guy to do that. But I, you know, I do see what you're saying. Giannis stays there and they continue to keep pieces around him, um, He's a top five player in the NBA and probably is going to win the MVP this year. So he's a guy in a conference that I think is definitely weaker than the West. You know, if you have one team that's such a powerhouse, it could happen, but I, I don't see it happening the way that it happened with LeBron. Fair. Let's put the NBA to rest right now since we're almost out of time here on the show. We've got two potential NBA players, well, were NBA players, coming on the show soon. They'll help talk the finals with us. Um, but which I got to give you a little bit of time to do major league baseball power rankings, especially cause I'm a little excited to hear what you have to say about the Cubs. I think their relief pitching is absolute trash, but we'll get into that. They've been very hot, but remember which we got to go through which corner before 
we can get you to the Major League Baseball Power Rankings. And I was, I'm being a team player today, Wits. You know this just as well as I do. We have the big winners. So spoiler alert for people who are watching Game of Thrones or in the midst of it. But we have the big winners. The Starks are ultimately the champions of Game of Thrones. They're the Golden State Warriors, whoever you want to call them. So Wits, today I'm going to have you rank your top five Starks. And here are your Starks I'm giving you. You got Bran. Jon Snow, I'm going to consider a Stark, which he is. He His mother was a Stark. Sansa, Rob, and Bran. You're, I think you're missing one, aren't you? Did I do it? I should have Arya, Bran. I know there's Recon, but he, he was not even on the show. That's a, that's a good one. Um, yeah, so for those of you who don't know, I hopped on the Game of Thrones bandwagon about two months ago and been watched seven seasons as quickly as I could. So I'm very into it. I watched the final episode. So like you said, any any people who haven't watched, you know, you tune this one out. Um, that's a great question though. My number one Stark and right, I don't want I don't want the order of their success on the show. I want your favorite Starks in the my order. Favorite Starks. I will give that to you right now. My favorite Stark, I think by far for me was Arya. I Love think it. she just had such an interesting storyline. Um and all those events for training with the different people, whether it be um, first sword of Bravos, you know, training with the Hound, training with, you know, the many-faced God, um, Jagan Hagar. I think her storyline was awesome because you, you know, I I watched all the episodes and then I went back and watched the first season. Um, you could just see from the first season that she was never meant to be like what Sansa turned out to be, you know, a proper lady, a queen. She was always a warrior, and I think, you know, the culmination happened when she took down the Night King. Um, I think it was the second or third episode of the eighth season. So her story for me I thought was the best, and she was my favorite character. A lot of fight, a lot of spunk, a lot of piss and vinegar with Arya. So I really liked it, and I liked where her story is headed. She's not really meant to be tied down anywhere. Um, So I think she's got a whole other storyline waiting ahead of her. She's my number one. Number two... For me, it has to be Jon Snow. I mean, another great story there with that big cliffhanger, finding out that he's actually a Targaryen. Um, but the fight that he he showed throughout the show, just a natural-born leader. Really not not many other people in the show like him, you know, who had the fight and the energy um, and just the overall wherewithal to, you know, have this big vision. And he goes off at the end of the A season for me, I mean, this before I read any takes, I was like, he's the new Mance Raider. Um, a guy who, you know, maybe he was the king of the wildlings. Everybody thought he was a bad guy, but really just had a vision for himself and his people of where he wanted to be and where he wanted to take things. Um, so I saw him as the new Mance Raider. He's my number two. Number three, uh, this is where it gets tough because I, I wasn't – huge fan of the last three we didn't get enough of rob stark i thought he played a great part in the story but just you know didn't get enough of him um but my number three had to be sansa stark Uh, i think probably the most beautiful woman in the show sophie turner did a great job and i think great scene at the end there you know her brother's taking the throne and she says i'm going to be an independent kingdom um and the queen in the north scene i was a real big fan of that you know i think she played a very pivotal role um, her character, she could be a, a little bit of a bitch sometimes, but I thought she did a great job. Number four for me, oh man, I hate to leave the next king at number five, but I'm going to do it. I loved Rob. 
Um, you know, he really became a man early on in the show when, you know, his dad left to be Hand of the King in King's Landing, uh, you know, was a big part of that war. And I know he had an untimely death there at the Red Wedding, but I was a big fan of what he was able to do leading, you know, the group of Northmen to what they thought was going to be the ultimate victory. It didn't end up happening. I really liked Rob's character, though. And then Bran, um, you know what, I think he had an interesting role. And ever since he got pushed out the window, I mean, you know, you didn't know it at first, but it was leading up to this ultimate moment. But Bran, always kind of a sneaky guy, because I guess you could say that he knew everything that was going to happen, so he played it out that way. So he's my he's my least favorite of the Starks, but he does hold the most power now and could, you know, resurrect a dynasty um, that might never get taken over. They talked about, you know, having the kings kind of being more democratic, but... I mean, Bran Stark, he, he might not die for the next 3,000 years, so you never know what's going to happen. Those are my list of Starks. Wow. So my, my take on Game of Thrones. We're three for three on this Wits Corner, at least having number one. I mean, Arya easily hopped up into my number one. Jon Snow's my two. Got to go Rob with three just because I was a big fan of his storyline and could not have been more shocked when he was uh, when he was murdered. And then I've got Sansa. She grew on me, but I really had a disdain for her for much of the series. And then Bran, I just didn't think did did a whole lot. So I'm over the fact that he is our new king. Spoiler alert. And uh, yeah, Wits, since we're running out of time, just run through the top five of Major League Baseball power rankings. I know our Cubbies are sitting nicely up there, and there's some other good teams to look at. And I know you have the input to help keep pushing people's bets towards World Series eventual champions. Yeah, I mean, looking at the the rankings right now, Roz, there's a clear-cut best team in the league for me right now, and it's the Houston Astros. Um, Look at a team, 47 games in, they've had two separate 10-game winning streaks, which is just laughably impressive. I mean, unbelievable. They're 33-16 and right now. And I think the addition of Michael Brantley um, is proving to be, I think, you know, the key that could bring this team another World Series. I mean, this guy is just playing unbelievable baseball. And even with Jose Altuve injured right now, um, this Houston Astros team is the best team in baseball by far. Second best, and with all the injuries they've had, I mean, so much credit to the New York Yankees. Um, Series wins over the Rays each of the past two weekends. This is the team to beat now in the AL East. I know the Rays were up there. They're still 27 and 18, but over the past 26 games, they've been 500 after a 14 and four start. They've got a very tough week coming up here, um, so that this team is starting to not look as good as they were that first month of the season. Number three, I'm going to give it to our hometown Chicago Cubbies. Like you said, I'm still very, very worried about the bullpen. Um, that game a couple nights ago against the Phillies made me want to throw up, but. Anthony Rizzo starting to get hot. They've won 10 out of the past 12 series. So I think they're playing some great baseball, 28 and 18 right now. Number four, I've got the Dodgers, who have a better record. They're 32 and 17. I think this is the team to beat in the NL right now. I know the Cubs are ranked ahead of them. But I think the Dodgers, you look at Ryu, 31-inning scoreless streak, 152 ERA overall. Um, last year when he pitched, he had a 197 ERA. So I think... If him, Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw can put it together, and then you have guys like Bellinger, probably going to hit another 40 home runs. Alex Verdugo bringing a lot of firepower as a young guy. You got Corey Seager back. Um, this is a great team. And number five, 
sneaking up into the top five here, the Minnesota Twins, 32-16. and 16. They're slugging, listen to the stat, they're slugging 505 right now as a team. They've never slugged over 440 in a season before. This is a team that is, I think, the clear-cut favorite to win the AL Central. I think the Indians at 25-23, and 23, things are starting to get a little dicey there in Cleveland because they did not make really any moves in the offseason. I think they're starting to feel it. This Minnesota Twins team, I think, is a team to look out for in the AL. That's my top five right now. Um, a lot of exciting baseball going on, but Houston Astros are the team to beat in Major League Baseball as it stands today. I mean, that's good enough for me right there. Do you have a pick right now as it stands? I know you just said the Twins. Who you would put your money on in terms of winning the World Series? Best value you can find. Which team are you going to go with right now? I mean, I don't think they give me the best value, but I'm going to take the Houston Astros right now because I don't think there is a team that can compete with them for a seven-game series. Looking at their lineup up and down, the pitching staff, um, there's no team that is better in Major League Baseball right now than the Astros. So if I if I had to make a bet today, I'd have to take Houston, you know, to bring home the World Series this year. I'm not willing to give picks right now, but I'm always riding on the Cubs. We'll get those picks as we move further into the Major League Baseball season, probably around All Star Weekend. Wits, any last words for this week's show? We've got some guests coming up, we promise. And uh, obviously you can find us on all platforms, Spreaker, Google Play, Spotify, iTunes. Go to Believe.com to see all the other podcasts we've got on there. Wits, give me some final words. I'm going to be sitting on a beach for about four days straight here. So I might I might tune out, maybe check the occasional MLB update, check what's going on in the NBA. But Wits is going to be sitting on the beach, soaking up the sun. Hopefully there's some pretty ladies walking around. Um, that's my two cents for the week. I'm totally going to try to bother you, but that's all the time we have this week, everybody. This has been the opening line. We'll be back next week again, hopefully with some guests for you guys. We appreciate everything. We'll read some more iTunes reviews, which we've gotten in recently. And uh, again, thank you guys. And we'll be back next week. This has been the opening line with Wits and Roz. Catch you next time, everybody.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.